So on Sunday evenings now, we are re-engaging with the book of Jonah. I believe that it is one of the most relevant Bible books uh, for the church in our country at this moment in time. Uh, Here we have a man that has been mightily used of God uh, in uh, bringing his word uh, against uh, the... uh, um, the Assyrians, and now God is commanding him to go to the very enemy with a message of repentance, which means, of course, that he's preaching the gospel to them. And Jonah, uh, he can't accept this, and instead of going toward Nineveh, uh, east, northeast, he goes in the opposite direction, west. And last time, we uh, left him at the quayside uh, in Joppa, uh, catching um, a ship uh, with Phoenician sailors uh, that is going as far west as possible to Tarshish. And that, for me, is a picture of the church at this moment in time. Uh, We are in a backslidden state, I think. Uh, We are going in the opposite direction, often, that God would have us go. And we can spiritualize that and justify it, rationalize it in spiritual language. I'm sure Jonah was thinking in his heart, God can't really be commanding me to go to Nineveh. I've been mightily used against those people in the past. What God is really doing is inviting me to become a missionary in Tarshish. It's so subtle, isn't it, backsliding? Uh, And in the end, it all comes down to this. Is it my will, however spiritual we term that, or is it God's will? There's no other option. Now, uh, we're going to continue looking at Jonah. Here he is now on board the ship, and the poor man is exhausted because running away from God is tiring. And even though it's been easy to do, every door has opened. Incidentally, when there are open doors, it does not necessarily mean that it's God's will for you to go in that direction. So Jonah is fast asleep in uh, the cabin of the ship. And here he is, adrift. Now, isn't that another picture of the backsliding church or the backsliding Christian. We're spiritually adrift. We're spiritually lost at sea. I've just got three points to bring about this spiritual adriftness. And my first point is this. We've had but Jonah, but Jonah, verse three, running away from God. But it doesn't stop with but Jonah, does it? How does verse four start? But the Lord. Isn't that good? But the backslider. But God. My first point is this. Even when we're spiritually adrift, God isn't going to leave us drifting away into the horizon. God loves his people too much to let us go too far away from him. Yes, we may drift very far away. But listen, brothers and sisters, God's love will eventually bring us back to himself. And that's what we see here with Jonah. Um, 
Phillips, one of the best commentators, Richard Phillips, a Presbyterian in the States, he wrote these words. Jonah resigned his office as a prophet, but the Lord did not accept his resignation. <laughs> Do you feel like that sometimes? Can I be honest? I feel sometimes in this day and age as giving my resignation. You know, who wants to be a pastor? Who wants to be a Christian in one sense today? But listen, God won't accept your resignation or mine. And God is the God who restores the backslider. Now, the thing we have to notice is this. The way God uses to bring Jonah back isn't easy for Jonah. Uh, there is a word I found in one commentary which says, God's mercy is severe, severe mercy. Now, look at uh, the word that is used. But the Lord, verse 4, sent out a great wind on the sea. This is God now going after his errant prophet. Uh, if you're trying to run away from God, the hound of heaven is going to come after you. He loves you too much to let you go too far away. Now, the word uh, for uh, sent a great wind, in the Hebrew, it means hurl. Just as later on, the word is used that as the storm hit the ship, they threw out, they hurled out uh, their cargo. The same word is used in the Hebrew of God hurling this storm after Jonah. I like that. This is a great God. Uh, all the words here are big words. It was a great storm, but the Lord hurled out a great wind on the sea. And then there was a great tempest on the sea. And it's all great. A great wind, a great storm. Jonah later is swallowed by a great fish. Jonah is sent eventually to Nineveh, that great city. And it is the great kindness of the Lord that brings Jonah back. Isn't our God great? Uh, like in the Chronicles of Narnia, C.S. Lewis is a masterpiece where he has the lion Aslan as a picture of Jesus Christ. And Aslan's a great lion. He's not to be messed around with. He's not a tame lion. And our saviour is not a tame saviour. He's great. I don't like the term Jesus meek and mild. I like Jesus meek, but not mild. He's not mild. He's great. Meekness and majesty. I wonder, is God bringing you back using a storm? Now, we must be very, very careful here. Uh, some sensitive souls will see every storm in life as a sign that they're backslidden <laughs> and that God is trying to bring them back. No, no. We live in a world that is full of trials and tribulations. And often, these storms are just part and parcel of living in a fallen world. And if we're a Christian, we're attacked, aren't we, on every side. But sometimes, there are storms that are sent of God in order to bring us back to him. God spoke to me last week. Did he speak to you? I was jogging in some woods 
And this time of year, the trees are beautiful. Uh, the leaves were yellow, and it wasn't a nice day, but suddenly the sun came through the clouds, and the forest was just stunning. And God was speaking, not in his word, in his creation. Do you think I've gone too far saying that? The psalm I read at the start of our service, I didn't read all of it. It goes on to talk about the voice of the Lord. And the God of glory thunders. The voice of the Lord is powerful. The voice of the Lord is full of majesty. And when David composed those words, God was speaking to him in a thunderstorm. I sometimes think we are too spiritual for our own good. Yes, God speaks by his spirit in the word. I'm not belittling that. But my friends, God speaks in his creation. And God can speak to you and me in the coming week if we only had ears to hear as we live in his world. God speaks. I believe in a God who is alive, alive in his created world. And there are some famous words, aren't there, by uh, C.S. Lewis, not in the Chronicles of Narnia, but is it in mere Christianity? Uh, I think I've got the right uh, quote here. God whispers to us in our pleasures, speaks in our conscience, but shouts in our pains, shouts in the storm. It is his megaphone to rise and rouse a deaf world. Is God having dealings with you and me? But God. Um, Tarshish. Do you know what the word Tarshish means? It means hard. Uh, It might refer to the hard iron uh, that was found there. Do you know what the book of Proverbs says? Even though Jonah started off easy running away from God, open doors, eventually the way of the backslider, do you know the verse? The way of the backslider is hard. Isn't it hard? Trying to hold on to the world in one hand and the Lord in the other. Isn't it hard trying to be someone who pleases everybody? Oh, but God, but God. And then my second point And this is thinking now about poor Jonah being adrift. And what is he doing? Here is God coming after him. Here is this great saviour not letting us go when we are adrift. And what is this child of God doing? He's fast asleep. And isn't that again a picture of the church of Jesus Christ at this moment? We're in a state of spiritual slumber. You know what it's like uh, when you're asleep. Well, you don't know what it's like when you're asleep because when you're asleep, you're not aware of what it's like. <laughs> but don't we do strange things when we're asleep? We, we do strange things in our dreams, don't we? I dreamt the other night of flying. I can't fly. I can't. But I dreamt that I was able to do that. Isn't the church asleep these days in general terms now? The strange things that the church of Jesus Christ comes up with. And can I say, isn't it a nightmare that we're living in sometimes? The things that are happening in the churches of our land, it's not a nice dream, is it? It's a horrible 
nightmare and we want it to end. I'm aware here of Amy Carmichael's phrase. Uh, Amy Carmichael was a missionary, uh, founded the Donovan Fellowship in the south of India. And she made a statement which is very searching. She said, the church is busy making daisy chains while the world is hurtling over the precipice to hell. Isn't that another sign of a church that is fast asleep? We're so busy with our little daisy chains. I, I could bore you tonight with all the little hobby horses, the daisy chains that people uh, have. And they are not important things. In the light of eternity, they are neither here nor there. What Bible translation you use, what hymn book you sing from, what you wear when you come to church, what tertiary or quaternary truths you hold on to, what area of applying the Christian life you are talking about, all those things in the end are daisy chains in comparison to Jesus Christ, the hope that we have in him, and knowing him, and walking with him. That's what the church is about. And when the church is in a state of slumber, she thinks that everything is hunky-dory, but actually she's dreaming, and in reality she's not lifting Jesus Christ up. We, we're saddened, aren't we, by the states of our country at the moment. It, I think there was a flood of immorality in the 1970s. But it's not immorality now, it's amorality. Good is called evil and evil good. And it's so confusing as well as sad. But can I say this without being misunderstood? We shouldn't really have a problem with the world being in the state it's in. Because if the world is spiritually dead, doesn't it make sense if everything is a mess in the world? What surprises me is that the people of God are in the states that they're in. We can't pray that the world be woken up because you can't wake a person up if they're fast, um, if they're dead. It's only a person who's fast asleep who's to be roused. You know, we need to be revived as the people of God. I fully believe that the immorality that we witnessed in our country in the last decades arose from the ungodliness that started in the churches. And it didn't start among the congregation. It started in the pulpits. Uh, there, there was once um, a Welsh conference in Aberystwyth and it had to move uh, from the church that it usually met in because there was dry rot in the church. <laughs> and the dry rot happened to be in the pulpit. Isn't that a graphic illustration of what happened in our land of Wales? Oh, if you would have been around in the middle of the 19th century, I know it's a long, long time ago. But in that period, there were churches that were full to the brim. There would have been chapels in the middle of Wales. You can see them standing today. They would have been completely filled with people. But then, gradually, do you know what happened? Into the pulpits came teaching that was 
foreign to the Word of God. It was the teaching about evolution. It was the teaching about the miracles not being in the Bible. It was the gospel being watered down and eventually denied. And as a result of that, the people, the first generation, believed the Lord. They knew the power of God. But the next generation, they only had the outward, the trimmings. And the next generation, they got rid of the outward. It started in the pulpits, and now our societies in the states that it is in. I, I was reading um, one commentary uh, about Jonah, Archie Kendall's commentary. Uh, early on in his ministry, he preached through Jonah. Very, very powerful sermons. And Archie Kendall came from the Church of the Nazarene. Have you heard of the Church of the Nazarene? They do certain things that we wouldn't do. I think they still wash the feet <laughs> of the believers. Um, I don't think we could really do that here. <laughs> so we wouldn't, what I'm trying to say is we wouldn't agree with everything that the Church of the Nazarene do. But you know, the founder of the Church of the Nazarene was called Phineas Breeze. Isn't that a good surname? Phineas Breeze. This is going back a long time. And as he was dying, he gave this message to the church for the future. Uh, only a few words. Keep the glory down. What strange words to say. Keep the glory down, he said to them. What was he saying? He was saying, you can't live on the blessings of the past. We as the people of God, we haven't got the power. The power comes from the glory how did the Church of the Nazarene start? How did the Quakers start? How did our own denomination we came out of start? It was God. It was the Spirit of God. People that were wide awake spiritually. And what happened in the second and then in the third generation? The glory departed. And what Phineas Breeze is saying is make sure that you keep the glory. Didn't Brian Edwards once preach in a revival conference in this church? I've been told about this uh, meeting, and he preached on Samson, and the words, Samson departed as at other times, but he wist not that the Lord had departed from him. The glory had departed, the Shekinah glory. What's the horrible word? Horrible in the sense that it is frightening. Ichabod, the glory is gone. I'm not a prophet. I can't comment. I don't think the Lord has left us. We've got tokens of his presence, which I'm grateful for. But oh, may we know the glory of the Lord rising. You know, when the church is fast asleep, it's numbers she equates with blessing. You know, numbers means nothing. I'm so grateful for the goodly number we have here. But numbers in and of themselves mean absolutely nothing. The largest meeting I've ever been in is not in this church. I once was in a meeting in uh, Andhra Pradesh in India in a stadium and was there 150,000 there? 150,000. Now you're probably thinking what a blessed meeting that was. It wasn't anything of the case. I wanted to run away from the meeting because the gospel wasn't preached. It was health and wealth that was preached. Numbers don't mean anything. There's only one person we need. 
and that's the Lord Jesus Christ. How are we going to pray? Oh, Lord. You see, if you're fast asleep spiritually, you are going to think, loud, like the church in Laodicea, that everything is all right. But once you're aware that you're going away from the Lord, you're going to realize we need God. So can I ask you, oh, brother, sister, pray. Oh, Lord, shine. Cause your face to shine upon us, you know? Show us thy face. One transient gleam of loveliness divine. One transient gleam. So Jonah, fast asleep, spiritual sleep. And then one last point, uh, and this is the most important one. He's awoken. <laughs> it's not the storm that wakes him. Uh, but the Lord sent out, verse 4, a great wind on the sea, and there was a mighty tempest on the sea, so that the ship was about to be broken. Oh, the irony. Uh, the sailors, the mariners were afraid. Every man cried out to his God and threw the cargo that was in the ship into the sea to lighten the load. But Jonah had gone down into the lowest parts of the ship and had lain down and was fast asleep. Oh, the paradox here. Uh, the... Uh, unbelievers are not fast asleep. They, they are wide awake and they're trying to do something about the situation that they're in. Isn't that tragic? While the man who understands the situation, Jonah, the prophet of the Lord, he's fast asleep. And I think Hugh Martin, uh, he's got a famous sermon on the world awakening the church. Isn't that tragic? When the world is awake, whereas the church isn't. And it isn't the storm that wakes Jonah up. Verse 6, it's the captain that wakes him up. I think that's very sad. The captain wakes him up. But it doesn't matter, you see, because God uses the captain to wake him up. We're not going to look at the words of the captain tonight. All I'm interested in is Jonah has a rude awakening. Do you know what I mean by that, a rude awakening? It's not rude in the sense of um, bad. It's uncomfortable. Do, do, do you like waking? I don't like waking up in the morning, do you? I'm, I'm not a morning person. In the past, I used to have Today on Radio 4, and I just have memories of sometimes waking up, and you're just drifting in between consciousness and sleep, and then you hear John Humphreys' voice. <laughs> it, it's an uncomfortable thing, but, but you know it's happening. And I think it was a bit like that with Jonah. We sang these inward trials, whether it's a storm, whether it's the world, whether it's something else that God uses, these inward trials I employ from self and pride to set thee free, a rude awakening and break thy schemes of earthly joy. Break thy schemes of earthly joy, that thou mayest seek thy all in me. I, I discovered this fairy tale. Is it all right for me to read a fairy tale? It illustrates this point about a wicked witch. And she lived in a remote cottage in the deep forest. And when travellers came through looking for lodging, she offered them a meal and a bed. 
It was the most wonderfully comfortable bed any of them had ever felt. But it was a bed full of dark magic. And if you were asleep in it, when the sun came up, you would turn to stone. Then you became a figure in the witch's uh, statues, trapped until the end of time. And this witch forced a young girl to serve her. And though she had no power to resist the witch, the girl had become more and more filled with pity for her victims. One day, a young man came looking for bed and board and was taken in. The servant girl could not bear to see him turned to stone, so she threw sticks, stones and thistles into his bed. It made the bed horribly uncomfortable. <laughs> Every time he turned, he felt a new painful object under him. Though he cast each one out, there was always a new one to dig into his flesh. He slept only fitfully and finally rose feeling weary and worn long before dawn. As he walked out the front door, the servant girl met him and he berated her. How could you give a traveller such a terrible bed full of sticks and stones? Ah, she said, the misery you know now is nothing like the infinitely greater misery a comfortable sleep would have brought upon you. Those were my sticks and stones of love. Those were my sticks and stones of love. Whom the Lord loves, he chastens. Whether it's a storm, whether it's something else, I don't know how God is dealing with you this evening. But thank God if you're having a rude awakening because an uncomfortable waking up is much better than a sleep of false peace when the world is in shipwreck and when we need as the people of God to be wide awake and even if it means trouble that we stand up for our Lord and Saviour Jesus Christ where he's put us and that we are faithful to him alone. Oh, he never promised an easy life as a Christian. I've never found in the Bible promises of a bed of roses to heaven. What I find is Paul saying to the young converts in Asia Minor, it is through much tribulation that you must enter the kingdom of God. I had one brother say to me once, I'm grateful even for my depression because that keeps me close to the Lord. Uh, John Newton, if you've never read the letters of John Newton, uh, get a copy. Uh, the Banner of Truth have done uh, uh, an edited version. Uh, it doesn't contain all of his letters. But he wrote uh, these words. Uh, about pain, that it's in pain often, God's power, wisdom and grace in supporting the soul becomes most evident, enabling it to hold up and even triumph. I'm so grateful for the Lord, for what I've been through recently, and I'm sure others here this evening would say the same thing about experiences in their own life. Oh, may God not allow us, he won't allow us 
to spiritually drift for too long, he will put sticks and stones of love in our beds so that we uncomfortably may start to realize that we need him. Brother, sister, just keep on seeking him and let, let us call on him together. Come, let us. We don't sing it as an introit now, but maybe we can do better than that. Maybe we can make it a prayer every day. Come, let us to the Lord our God with contrite hearts return. For our God is gracious and he will not leave the desolate to mourn. We'll continue, God willing, when I'm back in the pulpit on a Sunday evening to look at how God brings Jonah back to himself. We'll have to finish there tonight for his namesake.